Today on the Battleborn Preps Podcast, we start our Countdown to Kickoff series. Today, we will be featuring the Bishop Minogue Miners. We will have interviews from Coach Ernie Howren, player interviews, and much, much more. Stay tuned as the Battleborn Preps Podcast begins right now. Hello everyone, I'm your host Michael Reeves, and today on the Battleborn Preps Podcast, we're going to be covering a ton of different things. We have some interviews with players, interviews with Ernie Howren, and that's what our Countdown to Kickoff series is going to be all about. We want to tell you guys what's going on in Northern Nevada football, Northern Nevada sports overall throughout the year. But we really wanted to highlight each team because sometimes, you know, these kids get covered, but they don't always get the individual recognition if they're not a quarterback, a top receiver, a top linebacker. And, you know, we ask these coaches, it may seem a little tedious at times, but we ask these coaches individually about each position group because not only do we want to know about those players but we would like to make sure that the families know hey maybe my son's gonna get a start here or get to play a little here or what does that coach think about um this kid or what what do they think in this scenario could happen or i don't get to talk to my coach all the time uh what is his philosophy on x y or z so We really wanted to do the Countdown to Kickoff podcast, or Countdown to Kickoff series, rather, to just highlight some of these kids and talk about all that they have to offer. I can already tell you we have um, Bishop Minogue coming up on today's episode, which I think you all are going to enjoy some of Coach Howron's responses. And then we also have Logan Howron, which we're going to play pieces of his interview, pieces of Joe Hill, uh, Cal Falstich talked with us a little bit, uh, Celesi Manu, Mario Williams Jr., who had an unbelievable answer when it came to some of the challenges that are faced today by athletes, and I think it's something that everybody should be talking about, uh, but that'll be a good one. Obviously, uh, we've got Jackson Brockett, who is a safety for Bishop Minogue that will be returning. Just some great interviews, and like I said, we may play the whole interview, Um, There may be bits and pieces. It just depends on the person that we're playing. But we will have all of the interviews in full on our YouTube page. And we will also be posting on our Facebook and Twitter, as you all know. But we're starting today with Bishop Minogue because last year they played an incredible game against McQueen High School. 
And uh, the Lancers, as many of you know, came out on top, which ultimately took them to the state title or the state bracket, rather. And Bishop Minogue was not happy with that final result as they came into the season with a variety of expectations. Uh, they have a lot of great players, a lot of great things that they're expecting this year, but that game left a little bit of a stain on all the amazing accomplishments that they did have last year. So you're going to hear some of the players talk about that. If you're asking a prediction on what you think or what I think I'll see from uh, Bishop Minogue this year, I think they are truly one of the best teams out there here in the North uh, with a coach like Coach Howron, who's been coaching 22 years, uh, his son Logan Howron at the helm at quarterback, a uh, lot of returning players like Joe Hill, like a Dom Marconato, like a Marshawn Brown. Um, y- you've got some great players on the offensive side to keep that stability and uh, a lot of depth Coach Howron touched on as well. So I think all these interviews are going to be incredible to listen to, and we hope you enjoy this countdown to kickoff series. Uh, we are looking to put these out every single Friday night as what would you be doing um, in a couple of Friday nights when we've got football. So we just kind of want to give you a little precursor to the football season, but we do know that there's obviously more teams than more Fridays left before the season. So we're going to try to put these out every so often. My guess would be we're putting them out obviously every Friday, but my guess will either be on Sunday nights or Monday afternoons. So please stay tuned as we will be covering a variety of topics and a variety of teams, and hopefully you enjoy this series. Coming up, first we will have the interview I had with Coach Howron. Like I said, we're starting with position groups, and then we will lead into some of the more intriguing questions. I'm here with Ernie Howron, head coach of the Bishop Minogue football team. Ernie, this is your sixth season here at Minogue. Uh, A lot of changes, a lot of things have changed. You're now uh, full-time Basically, here at Minogue, you've uh, left Reed, but uh, how is it making the full-time transition over here, just being able to 100% give your kids every ounce of uh, your energy? You know, Michael, it's just just fun to be on campus and uh, get to see the kids not just as their football coach, but also as a teacher of theirs, and get to see them in the hallways, you know. So I'm not talking football 24. The only time they see me, it's about football. Now it's not. It's about their classes. It's about how things are going in school. So it, it really allows me to fully immerse myself in the family at Bishman Oak. Now we're going to talk about some of uh, some of your team position groups and just kind of go over the transitions from last year to this year. Um, and then we're going to cut hit some questions at the end. First and foremost, Logan, your son, Logan Howron, he's coming back, had a phenomenal year last year, uh, fell a little short as a team on getting to that next step back to the state title chances. But how has Logan progressed, in your opinion, and uh, what do you expect from him this season? You know, I think the thing with Logan is he's just, uh, he truly doesn't just like settle for what happened last year. And obviously he's really disappointed that we didn't make it all the way to state. 
and I think that's been a driving force for him. But he's always been very driven as far as finding a way to improve his ability, whether it be on the football field, in the classroom, uh, basketball, whatever it is, he's always trying to strive to keep getting better. It's something I've always admired about him. Now, one more thing with Logan. He, like I said, was one of the top passers here in the North. How do you keep him, and this isn't just a starting quarterback coach question, but kind of a father-son question, how do you keep him from always wanting to get better, strive to be better, and not have any complacency and look at some of the stat boards, some of the paper clippings, and things that you can read out there? You know, I will be honest with you. That's just Logan's in his DNA. I don't know how he does it, but that stuff doesn't really seem to excite him in any way. I mean, I, I'm sure he does. He appreciates any accolade he might be have earned or gotten, you know, if somebody was to give him. But at the end of the day, he doesn't worry about that stuff. I, I truly feel like when you watch him come in here, it doesn't matter if it's January 10th or July 10th or we get to our first game on August 19th, he's still going to be working hard. Now, last year, you guys had a great year out of Joe Hill, um, but you also had some complimentary pieces in Logan Shannon, Ryan Rutherford. They have now moved on, graduated. Um, why don't you tell us, first of all, about what you expect to see progression-wise from Joe, and then um, how, how you'll see the depth play out this year? No, you're right. And, you know, i got to be honest with you. We have... We've been very fortunate to have some really good running backs over the years. You know, that one-two punch every single year. And I will be honest, in my opinion, it starts with our running backs coach, Jimmy Scholl. Uh, he's been, him and I have been together since, I think, 2010 or 2011. And he's always done such an amazing job of making sure that the backups are just as prepared as the starter and it shows because they can come in there and they just they act like we don't miss a beat when those guys come in um obviously you got to give credit to joe hill I mean, he's a talented running back you know he really is the whole package he's got great speed he's physical he's tough he just does everything you want and then this year you know we have some backups in uh dom damani he's going to be a senior uh he's worked really hard uh, really transformed his body frame and really committed to dr trying to be one of the, the in that rotation of running backs. And then we have Cody Fleischman, who is a junior running back and had a tremendous game last year. He only started uh, one game last year, but I believe he had six carries for 100 yards. Uh, he's a talented young man coming up. We'll be excited to see some of those players. Y you, whether it's Reed, whether it's Bishop and Oak, you have always had great receivers and this year is going to be no different and the bonus with this year is they have another year under their belt um, we're specifically speaking about Dom Marcanato and Marshawn Brown those are the two receivers that we've seen tell us how they've improved and then there's some receivers we haven't even seen yet that you're expecting big things from this year so you know obviously you know uh, Marshawn tremendous physical uh, specimen right he's just He's 6'5", he's long, he's got his arm span, I think he's like a 6'7 guy. I mean, he really, you know, which gives him that huge catch radius. And he has soft hands, so it just makes him such a great weapon. And he works hard, whether it be in the weight room, the classroom, gets good grades. He's just a whole package. You know, he's got the offer to Nevada right now, and I imagine more offers will be coming. Um, and then you have uh, Marconato, who, you know, just, just... Uh, 
freaking fierce competitor. Love everything he brings. He's going to be a stud for us this year. The, the one that's going to come out and really impress people is Ben Scolari. He's going to be a junior. He is extremely twitchy and fast. He's bursting. And guys has great hands. Um, we also will have competition from Lucas Shannon and from Carson Jensen. Those two. So we have five receivers that we feel we could put out there at any time. You know, whether we're into like some sort of spread set where we don't have a tight end attached and or we go to empty. We, we have a group of receivers we really can count on. Now, a quick follow-up, uh, because I think it's a rather unique transition. Carson Jensen kind of uh, seems like that jack-of-all-trades. He played a little quarterback last year, and now you said he's playing a little receiver this year. What does it mean to you to have a program where you've got guys that are pretty interchangeable year-to-year? -year? Well, it, it's, comp it's really a compliment to, to Carson, because you know, Carson is a very gifted athlete, very explosive, very smart. You know, I mean, he started on defense last year. You know, he has that ability play either side of the ball and has the athleticism to play multiple positions. Now we head over to the offensive line. Obviously big loss in Ciope, but he was a great player. That's what you want. Great players to move on and continue playing. But the nice thing is you have Falstich, Enard, and Puono. Hopefully I didn't mispronounce that, but you've got three great offensive linemen that are also coming back. Uh, speak to those players and maybe uh, some newcomers that you may see. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard. You know, Siwape and Maya Vaca, we lost those two young men. They're just such great kids. Program guys, you know, uh, Maya was a three-year starter and Siwape was a four-year starter. Those are tough to replace. You know, you really, you just hope that guys can come in and even get close to what those guys brought to our program. But it helps when you have three returners in Jay, Alex, and Cal. We're so excited about those guys. Cal's the bona fide leader. He's just such a great attitude. He, he's a team guy. He's funny. He takes care of his teammates. He's a great teammate. Alex Enard, he is a tough kid that we, we're going to count on him playing on both sides of the ball. And then Big J, you know, we may move him to the left tackle this year to take CYFI spot. And then we have some young income, new guys, Jackson Ramsey, uh, Matt Harrington, uh, we have a, a really young kid, Max Zero, we're hoping that he's going to come do some stuff. Uh, we have, uh, uh, why am I, I'm trying to go through all my names here, sorry, um, uh, Nick Larragetta, uh, Tyler Bice, so we have a lot of guys that can help us, and we do have some defensive guys that give us their team guys, uh, with Mario Williams and, uh, uh, less, uh, it's Lessie, so Lessie, Manu. Those two guys do a great job of just helping us fill gaps just to make sure we got enough offensive linemen. Now, two players you just touched on, Celesi Manu and Mario Williams Jr., they were staples last year. They're coming back for more. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think they can do when you're talking about um, top performers in the north, maybe helping this team lead on the defensive side? What are your expectations for those two guys? It's everything you just said. I mean, they are our, they've got to be our leaders. You know, they, they were physical specimens last year. They imposed, they created a lot of issues for a lot of teams. We need them to continue to do that. 
Definitely. We move to the linebacker spot where you said there may be some shuffling this year. We're going to see Kalen Crawford, um, but talk about him and some other guys that you may even see uh, that may have even been on the line moving to the linebacking spot. Well, one, you know, Mario Williams was one of our impact guys last year. We, uh, we've moved him to linebacker. It's something that he actually approached us about and really felt that he maybe could have a better impact there. And he's a guy that wants to play at the next level. And so we're going to you know, help him get in a position to maybe uh, achieve that goal. And so if this helps him uh, towards that, we're going to do it. And it's going to help us as a team because he's such a fast, physical kid. doesn't matter if he's at DN or linebacker. He's going to do well for us. Um, obviously, you know, going back, you know, K.K. Crawford, he's one of our seniors at linebacker. He is so fast. I don't think people realize just how fast K.K. really is. He is extremely explosive in his hips. We are expecting him to really lead that linebacking crew. And then the other one is Gio Granada. Let's just say Gio plays the game the right way. He is extremely violent and physical. He is, it's going to be fun to watch him this year. We move to not the last spot, but second to last we're going to talk about Jackson Brockett in the secondary and um, DeGrazia uh, should be returning, I believe. But talk about your, sef your secondary in that safety group and maybe your corners and what you'll see. Yeah, you know, uh, Jackson Brockett's the leader of that group. He's really the leader of the defense. I think he's one of the best defensive players in the entire North because um, he's just a, has a nose for the football, doesn't care the size of the defender. He's extremely physical. Uh, I really love everything about Jackson. Very impressed with him. Uh, as far as other safeties that we have, you know, uh, Carson Jensen started at safety last year. Torrance is going to make the move to corner. And we should expect to see Spencer Zupon, Torrance, uh, Pele Messina, and Sebastian DeRoja. We really kind of see that group kind of fighting out for that. And then newcomers that are coming in, we really expect Tony Carmella to really kind of get one of those other safety positions and or... Jaden Buckner. We've really have been impressed with him. Jaden has this just great ability for a nose for the football. So I see his physicality go up a little bit. I could see him being the guy. You've definitely had some good safeties while here being a minor. Often the most overlooked part of the team, and you knew it was huge last year, we are looking at a kicking squad and punting squad and returning squad that may look a little different. But I have a feeling, I, I'm not coach here, you lost Cristo Valoria when it comes to punt return, but you've got these guys named Marconato and Brown that may uh, pick up some of that slack, not just kick return, but maybe punt return. Go fill in on those spots. You know, first of all, let's give credit where credit's due. You're so right. Cristo Valoria was such a weapon last year. and I, uh, I can't tell you how valuable he was in special teams on that end of it, with, along with offense and defense, what he did for us. But... What he did as a punt returner, he really helped us win some games towards the end of the year. Uh, and we really truly are going to be leaning on guys like Jackson Brockett, uh, Marconato, Marshawn. The list goes on of those guys that we expect to be those kind of returners for us. Um, and then uh, our snapper, you know, we love, you know, Stack is just such a stud. You know, he's going to be a starting defensive end for us as a sophomore. And he's also going to be long snapping duties, both PAT and punt. And then... We have a new kicker this year, uh, Michael Rubino. People are going to be blown away about how good he is. He puts it in the end zone on every kickoff. 
We'll be excited to see that. Now, I'm going to move on to a couple of questions that are not as much position-based, but more so just kind of some fun topics. People may want to know and just may want to learn some things about you in the process. So I touched on it a little bit earlier, and we've touched on it in years past, but it is such a special thing. I feel I have to touch on it every, every offseason. You and Logan, the bond obviously is there because you're father and son, but how does it build just as coach and player every single offseason? Well, you know, it, it builds not just in the offseason, but during the season too. Because um, we've had our moments where we've, we've been at each other's throat. And he's kind of helped me grow as a coach uh, because I do treat every one of these young men like, my, like they're my own son. And I found that some of the things that I was doing to my own son wasn't very good, you know, wasn't productive, let's just say that. Uh, and so I've learned how my approach has changed to getting these guys ready to play football. And Logan's really helped with that. Now, we talked about it's your sixth year at Bishop and Oak, and I'm not trying to age you here, but we won't talk about how many years as a co head coach it's been. How do you feel year one at Reed all the way to now? How do you feel you've grown as a coach, and how do you feel you, you change your day-to-day -day activity in life as things have progressed and times have changed? Yeah, and <laughs> it doesn't bother me. I kind of like it. I've been the head coach now for 22 years, and I can tell you – what I have learned from that first day to now, wow, so much. I don't even know where I could where to begin, to be honest with you. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those jobs, if you're truly like constantly evaluating yourself, reflecting on good and bad, you can improve and get better as a head coach. And I, and I really feel like the kids have taught me a lot about myself and how to be a better person, a better coach. And... Uh, I've listened to that over the years, uh, and it, it's crazy when I think about where I started and where I am now, there's times I'm almost, I don't want to say embarrassed, but I just kind of put my hand over my face like, oh, I used to do that, didn't I? And I'm like, so glad I don't anymore, but you learn, you live and learn. Well, we talked about that bond with Logan. We talked about all those years. One thing we actually touch on all the time, you have a knack for bringing not just former players back into your program to coach. But players that you've had, just having that aspiration of wanting to teach kids, wanting to help them, you know, uh, one that's not on your staff, but we can definitely see being a head coach in their future, Cam Emerson over at Reed. He has grown exponentially, and he was one of your best quarterbacks over the years. So what does it mean having these guys come back and just having these players that you know aren't just looking at this from, a, hey, I'm going to play for a few years and, you know, get what I want out of it, but rather... I want to get what I can get out of it with everybody else. Sure. And, you know, Cam Emerson's a great example, obviously, over Reed. But, you know, we got, you know, Jack Bice here, uh, Parker Houston. Uh, the list goes on of all the guys that have Leo Valdivez. Now he's been coaching for us for a few years. Um, got a lot of guys. Chris Den has been coaching for us. Uh, and these are all guys that are, uh, that are team guys. And I think that. If you're really going to be a successful coach and you actually want to get into it, you have to be a team guy. And that's what all those guys are, and that's what Cameron was over at Reed. One of those things that I don't understand how you do it, but one thing I find tough being a little bit of a control freak myself, 
as a coach, you can you can practice, you can hit the weight room, you can make sure they're doing everything as much as they can in the field at practice. But when it comes to game time, you can only do so much as a coach and not having that control factor. How do you feel, like I said, year one to now? How is it how's that stress been handled and how how do you handle not having as much control as you possibly could? You know, because you put more on the kids. Uh, anybody that was, you know, if everybody saw how much we put on our kids to make those adjustments, in-game adjustments, it's our kids that are doing a lot of that. And uh, hats off to them. They do such a great job. And I think, you know, I heard uh, Coach Latticer from De La Salle say that as coaches, we only control 9% of the actual game as coaches. The other 91% is all the players. And at the time I heard it, I was like, oh, what, what do he means by that? And man, as you coach long enough, you go, oh, that's what he's saying. And it really is. The kids, we're counting on them to do the, to uh, take what we've practiced and apply it to a game. And they do a great job of that. And it, my hat's off to the kids. We've got a couple of fun ones here to end it. You've been in Northern Nevada football for a while now. If there is one change, and I'm not just talking if you're an athletic director, being one of the top football coaches, there's one thing you've seen in all of Northern Nevada football that you could change, whether it be rules, whether it be the way we look at things, what would you do? Um, man, that's a loaded question for one, Michael. So I'm going to be very careful on how I answer this one. You know I answer all your questions, but wow. Uh... You know, obviously you have that 4A, 5A thing hanging out there. And, you know, that is a touchy subject because, you know, people are like, hey, I always want to play the best. And, and I was one of those people that always said that, you know, playing uh, Gorman and playing Liberty, you know, two of the best teams on the West Coast. You just sometimes wonder if you start looking at numbers, if it's realistic or not. And that's the only thing. Our boys work their tail off. They deserve the opportunity to win a state championship. And I do think when you see a Gorman that has 30-plus D1 guys on any given year, that's, that's tough. You know, we have a tremendous team coming back right now. We have four D1 guys on our team. And they have 30-plus. So it just makes it very difficult. You you touched on realignment, so I'm going to go there. Everybody talks about 5A versus 4A. Do you think, and this is purely from a football coach perspective, but do you think that there's a one-size-fits-all when it comes to all North teams maybe should be 4A, 5A, or do you think we should take a sport-by-sport -sport basis because maybe maybe a baseball team could win a state championship, but it may be tougher for a football team to compete with some of these more loaded teams down the south. You know, obviously, you know, I mean, I have great respect for Coach Imelli at Spanish Springs. And his wrestling program, you know, could, play, could compete at the 5A level. And Coach Opio and Coach Savage have their baseball programs could probably compete at the 5A level. But... When you look at the number of state championships that have happened in the North, whatever the sport might be, it hasn't been many. And I don't think that's fair to the kids. And we need to be adults and make the right decisions here. And uh, we're working on it. I tell you what, the NIAA, you know, uh, 
Donnie Nelson, you know, he's the head guy now. Very excited about him. He's a very level-headed guy. And, and it was great to work with Bart Thompson, too. Not to say that Bart wasn't level-headed. Bart was great, too. But I've known Donnie for a really long time. I've really respected the man. And I'm really excited about the direction he's taking it, along with all the athletic directors and athletic administrators in Northern Nevada. This one, I don't know if you'll even have a response for, but I figure I ask it because we all watch, anybody that watches high school football probably follows college football, follows the NFL, things of that nature. I know you, when it comes to head coaches out there and getting your players to the next level, you do everything you can. And I've heard that from not just former players, current players, but even opponents that are like, this guy really cares about his kids and getting them into a college of a coach that he knows. Have you seen anything when it comes to changes in recruiting with NIL or anything um, in the last few years that you've seen a change in head coaching at the high school level? Um, I haven't seen anything on the NIL, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I see what I see reading it on the news and stuff like that. But when it comes to the, uh, the portable and all of that, that has dramatically changed how they're recruiting um, and that, that has changed things. Uh, I feel like there's some guys in this area that probably deserve a better look, and we, we haven't quite gotten in it for these guys. Now I'm going to ask the last question here. It's three-pronged. We talked about how long you've coached. There's obvi obviously times have changed. You know, you can't say certain things that you used to be able to do. You can't do certain things, you know, uh, when you're talking about things you've seen over the years. From a coaching perspective, what's one of the biggest changes you've seen? We'll take that from coaches, parents, and players. All three of those aspects. What are some things that, that you either would like to see changed or just really uh, miss? One of those two. You know, the, the number one is player safety. Not that we were doing anything that was endangering kids, but the idea of no more double days, uh, the amount of contact practices versus non-contact practices, it is hands down the best thing they could have done. Uh, it's really tremendously helped with the number of concussions that happen over the course of a season. Uh, I'm very proud to say that we, we've been fortunate. We haven't had a lot here. And I really think it's because of the mandates from the NIAA of how many padded practices per week. And it's really changed the game that way. And it's for a good reason, right? Uh, how you tackle, how you teach that now. The other thing that I'll tell you that's been awesome is water. Man, I know when I was playing, which obviously we're really dating everything, but you got one water break in the middle of practice. Now our kids bring their water bottle from drill to drill. They just drank water the entire time. Uh, you know, there was just this belief that it was making you weak and it was just such an ignorant way of thinking. I said last question, but I, you just brought something to my head. Something I really see that is a change just in Northern Nevada football. You know, some of, the, some of the older philosophy was we need the big, strong linebacker that can hit, hit, hit. But now we're starting to see some of these players, and not just your program, but multiple programs across the state, really putting an emphasis on let's get lean and let's have some speed behind that power as well. What, what have you noticed in that change over the years? Well, I think, you know, just everybody's training more and more. So you're just seeing, 
the kids are developing a little bit faster than they were before. That's probably what you're really seeing on that. But at the end of the day, you still got to be bigger, faster, stronger up front. You want to be as big as you can get up front. Well, thank you for the time, Coach. Yeah, of course, Michael. Thank you. We appreciate Coach Howron giving us a little bit of insight into the way he thinks on things. Uh, a couple of questions I found intriguing, or answers rather, was when Coach Howron responded about his relationship with him and Logan. Obviously, the quarterback-to-coach relationship can be a very close one, but also strained at times. But when you're talking father-coach, anybody that's been coached by a parent or a family member knows that uh, they can sometimes be tougher on you. So that's something I could see that Coach Howren, uh has really put some time into thinking about and has really uh, just self-analyzed and uh, grown as far as what he wants to do with his son. And then another answer that I found intriguing was how he talked about the 4A and 5A realignment. Because it's a topic that I'm asking every single head coach because it's so important. And the reason it's so important is because it it could be the difference between a player going into high school and understanding that they have a chance at winning a state championship in their sport or going into high school just hoping that getting to the state championship is the pinnacle of their career. Because... Let's be honest, when we're talking about some of the Southern schools, it is a little difficult to have the realistic expectation that they are going to um, lose to a Northern Nevada school just on the sheer size of numbers, and that's something Coach Howron reflected on. And it's such a controversial topic because you could see, as he said, a wrestling or a baseball coach disagree um, on his philosophy, but you could even see coaches or administrators within the same program or same school disagree so it it just all depends on how you look at things and how you analyze all that but I think all very interesting answers from coach Howron he always gives us a great interview but now we're going to turn to Logan Howron his son and his quarterback who is coming back he started all of last year and uh, I I expect we're going to see great things from him this year and he talks about how he can help the team and how he can grow and continue to be the best him possible. So we're going to play his interview. Here with Logan Howren, starting quarterback at Bishop Oak Catholic High School. Logan, last year you guys played in a lot of meaningful games, but a lot of your teammates mentioned and your coach all said we didn't play in the most meaningful game. What does that mean to you, and how did you process it coming through the off season and now almost into the next season? Um, you know, definitely, like, state was a goal for our team last year, and we didn't uh, fully achieve that. So definitely for all the returners, kind of left a sour taste in our mouth and sort of just use that as motivation every single day to come in here and work and, you know, to achieve that goal this year. Now, I've asked you about this before, but... I feel we have to touch on it every offseason because it is a changing factor. You know, you're not just playing with your coach. You're playing for your dad. And he's told me he's grown even the time coaching you to now. How do you feel your relationship has changed? How do you feel uh, that whole aspect has just moved as time goes on? Um, I think me and my dad have definitely grown, like, a better relationship from being a player and being a coach just because – 
I think we spend a lot more time together just because of it. Like not a lot of dads and kids get the chance to spend three hours on a football field together. So I think we've definitely grown in that sort of in that sense. Now, your teammates all speak highly of you, and that's something that you sometimes see with the quarterback position. But the way they speak about you and the way they know that you can lead this team, how is it? How does it feel as a leader knowing that your teams have your teammates have that much confidence in you? Um, obviously, it just gives me like supreme confidence every single day when the, I can come in here and know that all these guys out here are working their butt off, and you know I can um, sort of just like feel good in myself to know that you know I've earned their confidence throughout the years. Now, another interesting spin on the way I ask this question to you, because obviously you have dad in the house and on the field, but one of the unsung heroes is family. You know, you've got sister, uh, you've got a great mom, you've got a lot of support. Obviously, dad's always supporting, but what does it mean to have that additional family and friends that are always there for you that are not always mentioned? You know, it's uh, probably the most important thing to have a good, like, supporting family you know my both sisters uh come out and throw with me sometimes when i can't find a receiver to throw to you know so and my mom has always been so supportive of my dad with football and now she's so supportive of me with doing football as well so it's great outside of football when you're off the field what are some of your interests and hobbies in just outside of the game of football uh definitely my other main interest is definitely basketball so played that all four years of high school, so, or all three years of high school so far, and playing next year, and then definitely just hanging out with friends, just having a good time like that. Now, you have a lot of great parts of, about your game, but what do you feel is one of your biggest weaknesses, and how do you grow on that? Um, definitely, some like biggest weaknesses is sometimes like maybe thinking too much on the football field. You know, instead of just like letting my like body do the work, just thinking about it too much. When it comes to support, obviously your dad is a great coach, but do you have any role models or coaches? And this could be here at Bishop and Oak. It could be an NFL player you like watching that you like to take what they give you or role models and take what they have and try to model your craft after it. Uh, I think definitely for any young quarterback, it would definitely like for a role model should be like Tom Brady just because I think the way that he's proven like you know, like, you can win the game, like, on the mental side, you know. And, uh, you know, he's, like, preparedness for each game is just incredible. So just kind of model my game after that. Now, a lot of people here in northern Nevada say you guys are the prohibitive favorites. How do you process that and not let that get to your head? And also, not just that, but how do you, how do you just take it one game at a time? Uh, definitely the main thing about for that is we can't, become complacent you know we have to come out here and try to prove something to ourselves every single day you know you know nothing's proven until the clock hits zero you know so we have to come out here and prove during the season that we are the best team what do you believe is one of the greatest challenges that faces athletes high school athletes football players today um definitely i think for people that don't play sports or like have played like a season sport is definitely just like the grind of a season you know it's easy to like come out here and work hard during the summer work hard during week one but when you get to week 10 week 12 stuff like that you know you have to be mentally tough
you have a lot of great teammates, but why do you feel, not just Coach Howren, but the rest of the coaches feel you're the best choice at your position? Uh, definitely, I think just my, my football IQ. I think that's been a benefit of having a football coach as a dad. You know, I've grew, like grown up watching film with him, grown up watching NFL games, college games with him, so I feel like I have a really good understanding of how football works. Predictions? Any 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 things you want to do this season that, uh, whether it be individually or team wise, you really want to see happen this year? Um, definitely team wise. Obviously, just you know, win region and then go to state. You know, and competing against some South teams, and then individually, you know, win. You know, obviously the goal has to be the best. So win player of the year. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Logan. Thank you. Logan has always given us an insightful answer when it comes to asking him certain questions. And just Logan has always seemed like a very well-grounded type of player. Obviously, that comes with the territory when your dad coaches you all those years. But I truly think uh, he he does a good job at knowing knowing what he needs to get done knowing how to do that, and not getting overwhelmed in the process because that's something you can easily see in a lot of teams and a lot of players that haven't played and grown up in some of the situations he has grown up. So we're going to play one or two more interviews here. One that I feel we really have to play, and the remaining of the interviews we're going to slowly release here shortly in the weeks to come, because I do want all the players that I interviewed to be highlighted, but I also don't want this podcast to be four hours. We are going to touch on some of those players here and just talk about some of the key interviews and some of the key people I thought that really gave some insight. This next gentleman that gave me an interview, I was blown away when Mario Williams Jr. talked to me. And when I say blown away... Uh, you may be able to pinpoint the answer, but I'm going to let you take a listen. And there's a couple of questions I asked that he really went in depth and just gave an insight that you don't always hear from a high school football player. So this is an interview I'm playing here with Mario Williams Jr. I feel it's key to play. And then we'll wrap this podcast up after that. And uh, like I said, release those following interviews. I'm here with Mario Williams Jr., that name, gosh, it sounds like an NFL name already. Mario, last year you guys played in a lot of important games, but one common theme with all of your teammates is played in important games, we didn't play in the most important game. And we know it's tough in the North to win that most important game, but to not even play in there, that one stings. How did you, coming off the field, analyze that and whether use it as motivation or whatever you did with that game, how did you take in that game and process it? Uh, losing that game still hurts, you know. Um, it's like I sit here, think about it every time I'm in the weight room, so it's really motivating me to work hard in here. Once we're out on the field, everybody's playing vicious because we want to get back to that spot we want to win. Now, one interesting thing about you is you played defensive line last year. You came to the coaches in the summer and said, hey, I, I'm looking at myself more as a linebacker. And some coaches would be like, okay, whatever, whatever. We'll deal with that when we deal with that. Your coaches were open and happy with that suggestion. What made you want to do that, first of all? And secondly, 
what do you think gives them that confidence that they can trust you and trust your ideas when it comes to where you play? Well, first, I wanted to make the switch because um, I can see myself being a bigger part of the defense. Uh, I want to be out there making plays and uh, I want to do what's best for the team. I feel like me being out there is going to be uh, real good at linebacker. And then I feel like they're having so much trust in me because you know I've shown I can make the plays. I'm a great leader on the team and uh, just working hard all the time. Now, last year you're on the line with Celeste Manu and you guys are competing, doing great things. This year, you're going to be able to be behind him. How do you think it's going to be being a linebacker and seeing, having the ability to kind of see what you did on defensive line? And how do you think it helps you being more well-rounded, knowing more positions on the defense? It's going to help a lot with my fits, um, since I do know what the defensive line is going to do. And, you know, me and, me and Celeste, we're like brothers, so it's going to be real good to uh, be able to commu communicate with him and uh, get the plays to him, see what he's doing. It's going to be awesome. Definitely. Uh, one thing I noticed last season is you guys, you know, out of the gate, you, you were warming up. But by the end of the season, with exception to the end of that last game, you guys were firing pretty well as a defense. Now, you do lose some seniors. How do you feel as a leader you can get back to that step right away at the beginning of the season and lead your guys to another promising season? Our coaches, you know, uh, Coach Quad, Coach Bias, make sure everybody's getting right. Uh, everybody on our defense played their position before. They know what they're doing. They know what they need to do to win. So we just need to get out there, fire off quick, be vicious. Now, you talk about the coaches, and they're a huge part of this. But one thing that I feel is often overlooked, and maybe you want to give them a little kudos, your parents and friends and family overall, they've seen you grow from this kid that can barely, the helmet's rattling around and barely fits their head, all the way to screaming their head off every Friday night. What does family mean to you uh, when it comes to the game of football and what they've done for you? Uh, family means a lot. It's uh, one of the main reasons I'm still playing. Give me a lot of support, and it's always great to see them out in the stands on game days. Definitely. Now we're going to get into some of the questions I have prepared here. In an ideal world, ideal world, Mario Williams Jr., five years from now, where do you see you? Um, NFL, hopefully. You know, I'm going to try to get myself an offer in these next couple of years and uh, work hard from there. Goals the NFL. It's always a good goal. Now we head to the next question. What do you believe, and maybe not just your belief, but what, it, what have you been told is one of your weaknesses, and how do you build on it and possibly make it a strength? Uh, say attitude could be one of my weaknesses. I can get down on myself real easy. Uh, I get frustrated real easy if stuff's not going right. But uh, I don't know, these, like, in high school, I started to calm down a little bit. I'm, able to gather my thoughts a lot better, so that should be pretty good. Is there a coach or athlete, and this can be at high school or all the way to the NFL, a role model that you would love to either craft yourself after or have really looked up to? Uh, Michael Parsons on the Dallas Cowboys. He's 
everywhere. He's D, DN, linebacker, covering slots. So he's doing it all. I really like his game. Great player that is playing on Sundays. Uh, what do you believe is the greatest challenge that most athletes are facing today? Um, probably just like mental health. Uh, a lot of athletes struggle with whatever it is, depression, you know, anger issues, stuff like that. And a lot of like the only way they can cope with it is playing sports. And I feel like that's one of the main things. Now, I'm going to go a little off script here, but you bring up a topic that I feel is needed to be covered and needs to be asked about. You talked about your attitude needing a little adjustment, not getting down on yourself. Have you dealt with any mental issues that you feel has affected you on game day or anything of that nature? Uh, well, I have dealt with like mental issues. On game days, I'm able to tone it out and put it off to the side, but uh, I've been getting better with that stuff so kind of look at football as kind of that escape from the world and able to shut everything else out yes, sir. now last question on that topic because i think you know the tough thing that athletes have admitting is you know life isn't 110 percent like we like to show it off you know uh cal Falstich, one of your offensive linemen was talking about a lot of people take the pictures, have the glasses on their face. Uh, Joe Hill touched on it as well. And that's the perception that people have of athletes. It's not always the, hey, I'm, I'm a teenager. I'm worrying about class. I'm worrying about, you know, this girl that likes me. I'm worried about, am I going to make the tackle? There's so many things that you guys got to worry about. And to toss any mental health on top of that, just it's a snowball effect waiting to happen. You talked about how you handle it. But is there any other things you'd like to mention when it comes to mental health and athletes that you don't feel is or you feel is often overlooked and not talked about? I just feel like uh, athletes should be open to talk about it. I feel like there should be a place they can go to to talk to talk about it. You know, people they can talk to because uh, it is an issue and a lot of people do have to go through it. And it's just one of those hard things. You know, people don't like to admit it, but it's always there. Well, I'm glad you talked about it. And we've got a couple more questions. Um, a lot of great players in that locker room. You, you, you love your teammates. But why do you feel the coaches feel that you're the best choice? And especially now making this move to linebacker, why they feel you're the best choice? Uh, I've been working real hard. Um, ever since I decided to make the switch, I cut a few pounds down. I lost about like 20 pounds so I can uh, – get quicker. I'm working on building my muscle up now and uh, should be pretty good. Mario, we've got two last questions here. The last two, do you have any hobbies or interests outside of sports that you want to let people know about, something that you may find fun? I like to draw cartoons. I just find it, you know, relaxing, able to, you know, get my thoughts onto paper, just freestyle, mess around with it. Anything in particular is your favorite? Uh, not really. I just like to, I just draw like random people, random styles, stuff like that. Interesting. And last but not least, we asked about a lot of things, but if you had to rank the top five priorities currently in your life, just current, you know, you've got things like school, you've got football you talked about mental health you talked about maybe even drawing the cartoons maybe that's a priority 
because it may just be a release. What would you rank your top five priorities in your life? Uh, first, mental health. Uh, and I go family after that. Football, rest, and uh, school. Well, we appreciate the time. Very insightful interview. Thank you so much, Mario. Of course. Thank you for having me. Incredible insight from Mario Williams Jr. He had some great thoughts that really came to mind when he was talking about mental health. He uh, he also draws cartoons, which I never would have guessed, um, which is why th- what makes these interviews even that much more fun. Because you get to learn uh, little nuggets from guys, and you'll you'll see in next episodes with not only his teammates, but additional players we interview as the season comes along. You're going to find out things uh, that you'd never would have known or never would have guessed if we didn't do these interviews. So we are so happy that we got to talk to Mario Williams Jr. We got to talk to Logan Howran, who. You know, great grounded young man, as we discussed. And then Ernie Howren, um, just with all the experience and knowledge and being a part of Northern Nevada athletics as long as he has, uh, really given us some insight. Now, we put these interviews in because we really thought um, these gentlemen would give a good perspective on what we can see and how um, some of the players at Bishop and Oak really think on things and really... Uh, will take this team to great things this season. I think the Miners, like I said at the beginning of the episode, are one of the top teams. But, um, you know, only time will tell what we will see out of them. Uh, on paper, everybody everybody looks different, but on the field, they may look completely different than paper. So you always got to take things into account, um, and that's why we play the game. As I said, we've got Joe Hill. Cal Falstich, uh, we've got Marshawn Brown, we've got um, a lot of great players that are going to be coming out. I'm going to be releasing um, their interviews here shortly in the coming days and weeks so we can get a different perspective on not just a Logan or a Mario Williams Jr. So stay tuned for those. Um, Again, this was our quick team preview of Bishop Minogue Catholic High School and we're glad you listened and hope you enjoyed the episode coming out in a few days we will have the Damani Ranch Mustangs new head coach Ty Gregg talking about how it is not just becoming a first time head coach at Damani Ranch High School but also discussing how The transition from Sean Dupree to a head coach in the middle to him has changed the program a little bit. That's all for today, folks. Until next time, we'll see you on the Battleborn Preps Podcast.